Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. Welcome, everyone. All right, testing, testing. Welcome, everyone. Being a parent is the hardest job you'll ever have, and Progressive Parenting understands this and wants you to know that you are not alone. I am Gina Kirby, and I'm your humble host. Although I am not a parenting expert, I am a concerned parent of four children, and as such, I understand the difficulties involved with parenthood. So every Monday night at 9 o'clock Central Standard Time, I invite doctors, nurses, family workers, authors, and experts from different fields to answer your parenting questions. And because this is a progressive talk show, we will be broaching topics and airing opinions that you as a parent might not otherwise hear about through the mainstream media. The mission of progressive parenting is to inform, not to preach, to share, not advise, and to connect, not alienate. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight, and I also want to thank uh, the sponsors for um, running the program. And a lot of times when we don't have sponsors, it is uh, funded, our entire program is funded by listeners like you. So I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. I am coming to you live from a coffee shop in Austin, Texas. Let's talk about how that's happening. As I sip a beautiful cappuccino at Merritt Coffee here in Austin. So um, long story short, no babysitter for kids at home. Um, had to get the, the oldest involved in watching the kids while I do this down the street. And in order to keep the background noise to a minimum of just the, a din of a coffee shop and not the screaming of four kids, uh, I decided to come down here and do this. So um, it's never uh, anything, you know, parenting is never a cakewalk. And that's what I, I come to you guys with every week. So here we are. Tonight I'm going to be talking now to you about uh, a different topic that can be really Um, you know, I think a lot of people think it's going to be easy and a lot of people think it's going to be hard and it's usually somewhere in the middle and that's breastfeeding. And I have a a friend of mine who is expecting in about five months from now and she's been asking me a bunch of questions and I've been doing this for a really long time and she kind of just kind of really caught me off guard where she said, you know, I really want to breastfeed, I think, but I don't know anything about it. What can you tell me about it? And we were sitting down at coffee, and here I am. I've been talking about parenting and, and birth and, and been a doula for over a decade, and she just really caught me off guard. She said, you know, I, I want to be successful at it. Like, what five things would you tell me? And I was just shocked at how unprepared I was for that question. And so I told her, I said, I'm going to do a program about this, and I'm going to get one of the best experts I can think of about breastfeeding on the program. So um, buckle in, folks, if you want to have some uh, really great information, make sure that you bookmark this on your desktop uh, to share with other people. If you're a doula listening to the program, you're definitely going to want to have this shared with your client. And uh, the number to call in with questions, if you're listening live right now, is 425. I'm sorry, that's the wrong one. The guest call-in number is 515-605-9702. That number again is 515-605-9702. Uh, call in with any questions that you might have regarding this. And if you have questions uh, after the fact, let's say you're listening to this a month from now, and you have questions about what you heard on the program, go to my Facebook page, Progressive Parenting Radio, and uh, DM me or just ask me right there on the wall any and all of your questions, and we can get them answered. If I don't know the answer to your question, I will reach out to one of our expert uh, friends of the program and have them answer it for you there. That's what we've been doing for a long time is just supporting parents. Uh, who have questions, who 
are really interested in parenting their child, maybe in a different way than the way that they were parented. Uh, we're talking about gentle parenting here. So um, that number to call into the program tonight is 515-605-9702. Let me see where we are with our guest tonight. Get over here. And tell her that now is good. I love this. This is I am my own producer tonight. Uh, guys, if you're listening right now and you are listening live, feel free to message me on Facebook and let me know if this sounds okay. We're using a new microphone tonight. We'll see how everything is working. See if this works without the mic better. All right. Okay. This should be working better. So I want to tell you a little bit about our guest tonight, Ashley Pickett, uh, who I happen to know in real life. I've had the privilege of meeting Ashley a number of times at our Flock Yeah events, which are uh, doula mini conferences. I've got to meet her at Rebozo workshops, and it's always been a pleasure. Oh, here she is right now. Let's get her on. Let's see if we can talk to her live. Hi, Ashley. Are you there? Hi, yes. Hello, Gina. Oh, it's so good to hear your voice. Hear you? Yeah. Oh, okay, I was just, good. I was, I was sitting on hold listening to you. So. Okay. <laughs> it's so yeah, good to hear you. Yeah, you heard me talking all kinds of good stuff about you. I haven't seen you in, oh my gosh, last time I saw you was what, Montreal? Yeah, I took a road trip out to Montreal. Oh my gosh, you're the best. <laughs> that was a fun one day. Well, I, I was on the phone with a friend of mine, and uh, he has friends that are, just, he just found out that his friends are, I think, four or five months pregnant. Mm-hmm. And he, he said that they were interested in breastfeeding. And I said, oh, I have a friend of mine that just asked, like, she stumped me. We were at a coffee shop. And she said, you know, what are five things I should know if I want to be successful at breastfeeding? And I was just like, I've been doing this forever, and I couldn't even answer her. I thought, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I thought I, yeah. I could be able to, like, that I could rattle these things off, but there's just so, I felt like in that moment that there was so much to know. And my friend, um, I was talking to him on the phone, and he said uh, that, you know, his friends wanted to know about breastfeeding. And he said, you know, here I am, an adult man. I'm 38 years old. And they they said something about a latch. What's a latch? Because I thought a latch was a lock on a door. <laughs> And I said, well, here, I'll tell you right now. And I, and the funny thing is, is it, it kept full circle to you. I, I Googled it to talk to him. Like, like, I guess I could have told him, but I wanted to sound smart. So I Googled uh, latch and blah, blah, blah. And I started reading to him what it was. And it said that the expert in that article was you. And I was like, I know Ashley Pickett. <laughs> and I, was, I was all excited and proud to say that I knew who you were. <laughs> Um, and it was that. all, and it was a great article about watch. Uh, and he said, "Wow, there's a lot to know." And I said, "Yeah." I said, "You know what I'm going to do for my friend and for your friend? I'm going to have Ashley Pickett on this program, and we're going to talk about what you need to know if you if you want to breastfeed." I even called it, "So you think you want to breastfeed?" So uh, because I I'm in a coffee that. shop, yeah, I thought I would mute myself and and let you go from here. Uh, and uh, like, where where would where would we even start, Ashley? Like. I want to breastfeed. Yeah. I'm, I'm pregnant. Like, what do I need to know? Right. I uh, I always love to start with just setting expectations. That uh, like we can get into the technical stuff around what's a great latch and how do we help baby move milk easier and uh, and we'll talk about that. But first, just setting expectations that it's it's freaking hard for a lot of people. You know that it's um 
it's natural and can be wonderful, but birth is natural. We don't know, we know that that's not always so easy, um, that it's hard and that there are people out there whose job it is to help it be easier for you to kind of identify what's going on and identify challenges and, and help you figure out what your next best steps are. Um, so I just, I think that conversation around setting expectations is just so, so key because that's what I hear from most families I work with is, you know, no one told me that it could hurt this much or that it was going to be this difficult. No one told me that I would be this exhausted. Um, and, and for most of those parents, it's not that they can't manage their way through and find their solutions, but I think we all just do so much better when we know to anticipate that kind of struggle and we can kind of say, okay, bring it on. I'm, I'm ready for this and I'm going to take those next steps. Um, so I'm, so glad, I'm so glad thing. that you said that. I'm, I'm glad that yeah. you said that about expectations because I think, I think culturally maybe, you know, you see these images of like a baby at rest, but you don't see images of like moms crying. <laughs> right, because yeah. because they're exhausted, because maybe dead baby has a bad latch, because maybe um, you know all these all these things that you don't get to see. You either see a mom nursing, quote unquote, successfully in our culture, yeah. or you don't, or you just see, you know, you don't see breastfeeding. It's it's one or the you other. Know, in, and in, one of, in one of my prenatal classes, I will I will put some of those like public health style posters up, and you know of the the parent on the park bench nursing her baby, um, you know, everyone's smiling or maybe she's like at a coffee shop having a tea and I keep, and I'll say, guess, or tell me, how old do you think that baby is in that picture? And uh, often it's a five month old, an eight month old, a 12 month old, you know, quite often it is an older baby. And, 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 you know, often we do get through the first two or three months and then into a little bit of ease around breastfeeding. Um, but we have to make it through those first two or three months first. And, and while some do have a fairly easy, I guess I'll say, or at least, um, you know, struggle-free early months and we, uh, weeks and months, a lot, a lot of people have to just survive them to get to that place in breastfeeding where it's like, oh, this is what everyone was talking about. Um, and so I love to talk about that. I love to bring that up for parents and have them know that the first couple months this might feel like work. Well, yeah, and see, like, we'll – we know that culturally that being a parent's going to be hard. We, you know, you see it in commercials with couples with a, a newborn and they're tired and there's all kinds of things that they'll sell you using those imageries. I mean, that kind of imagery, but you yeah. don't really see it a lot with breastfeeding. And you would think that maybe formula companies might bank on that, but they don't, <laughs> but um, you, you don't, you don't see it. it you, you never get to see uh, like moms struggling with breastfeeding and I don't want to scare no. anybody who's listening right now away from it, but it's just like you never see stuff like that about marriage either. Like marriage is work. No. And, it, you know, it's you work. just see people getting married. You don't see, you see women being pregnant. You don't get to see all the hard stuff that comes after yeah. getting married or having a baby. All of it's going to be hard. It's like welcome to motherhood or welcome to parenthood. It's rough. <laughs> uh, I, think- I love that you use yeah, the marriage <laughs> analogy because, um, it, it, breastfeeding, just like marriage, it's a relationship, right? It's yes. breastfeeding is a, it is a way to feed a baby, and for a lot of people, it's just food. Um, but 
regardless of how I feel of it as an adult, for the baby, it's part of a relationship. And, um, you know, in relationship, we do, we have to put the work in and, and sometimes it goes well and sometimes we fight, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's easy and sometimes we're, we're just managing, right, what's, what's coming next. And uh, our, our babies are not trying to hurt us and our babies aren't trying to cause exhaustion. They are just being normal, biologically normal babies. You know, um, they're, they're doing all the things that they're supposed to do. And if my mindset is that, well, my baby's supposed to sleep and just feed and be done and eat every three hours for 20 minutes timed. Um, when that doesn't happen, because it won't, of course I'm going to feel overwhelmed. And of course I'm going to get some anxiety around what's wrong with my baby because the expectations set up for me told me about this dream baby that doesn't actually exist for most um, and that instead it's a relationship that needs work. I love that you said that. Um, I have Leslie on today on the Jula's Jula okay. on a, this mentoring thing that I'm doing for Jula's. Right. And we were talking about timing contractions and how it's just like this patriarchal method of trying to manage birth when you can't manage birth any more than you can manage a baby or tell a baby right. when it's hungry and when to poop and whatnot. <laughs> and I think, um, again, that's part of the social construct that we've all kind of grown up in our own childbirth education all of us have had one form of it or another by what we've seen culturally and you know you hear from the experts and I'm using air quotes here that you know babies are going to nurse this long and they should sleep this long and no every baby's different and it's going to be hard no matter what <laughs> I really want to yeah. let parents ready for that idea like the expectation is you're going to work hard and it's going to be for a long time and not in a bad way. I mean, it's completely rewarding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Hard to be bad. And I always think about, like, if my, my toddler is having a temper tantrum, I want to approach that temper tantrum as a parent with love and kindness and help them through it. And that's way harder than just ignoring them or using fear or violence as a way to parent. Um, but I'm doing that hard thing because I'm invested in the outcome, right? I'm doing that hard thing because it's important to me. And, and so I get through those parenting moments, um, even though there was a somewhat easier option for me as the parent. And we know, we know that to be true with parenting, with birth, with sleep, that there, there are these really hard things that are expected of us. And we can do hard things. Um, sometimes we need help and we can't do the hard things and we pull in on our village or our team or our experts. Um, but I think even just going into it, knowing that, like, you're actually quite capable of having a problem finding a solution and working through the process towards that solution um, and that it's okay if it's not just that sort of dreamy, you know, googly-eyed relationship that you see in posters. Um, so I, I think that, you know, I also recognize the privilege in being able to say we can do hard things. There are lots of situations where it's just not true. And then we have to make decisions around how we feed our babies. Um, but when it comes to, you know, waking frequently, when it comes to uh, discomfort before we figured out the source of that discomfort and got rid of it, um, when it comes to babies who might not be getting enough to eat and we have to sort of pump and supplement and, and do all this extra work to get breastfeeding going, um, I, I just I think there's a lot of families who feel like once it's going wrong, it's wrong and, and, and it won't get better or that there isn't a pathway towards kind of fixing or correcting that problem. And I guess that's the second sort of expectation I love to talk about is that for almost every breastfeeding challenge, there is usually a solution. Um, it shouldn't hurt when we breastfeed, for example. 
um, when it does hurt, that signals to me that something's, something's there that we can fix. You know, it, uh, a baby might eat very frequently for a very long time, but if a, if a parent's really struggling with, with that version of normal, we can usually help, maybe help babies eat more efficiently, for example, and, um, and alleviate some of that challenge for the parent where, where maybe they get to feed in less time because they're helping baby with some really great management tips versus just letting baby graze. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm sort of self-admittedly a big fan of natural and normal, but I'm also a mom of three crazy kids who had to find, you know, cheat ways to make parenting easier. So I, I, I feel it's perfectly fine to take normal and make it a, a little bit different and make it a little bit easier if that's what a family requires. Um, but a lot of times we're not, we're not reaching out for help on that. Well, yeah, it's hard to know when you need help, I think, as a new parent. Um, I think, you know, there's this whole super mom idea. And, you know, if I ask for help, you know, what does that make me look like? Is there's kind of like almost a macho attitude that I've seen a lot of moms take where they – they just re- they don't want to ask for help because then what does that say about me as a mom? And I would encourage anybody within the sound of our voices <laughs> to ask for help yeah. whenever you need help. Oh my goodness, it's just it's isolating. I mean, uh, parenting in isolation is is so hard and it's cruel and unusual. <laughs> and um, yeah. asking for help is the the first step in in maintaining your sanity as a parent. I think. When I, I think a lot of parents are used to delegating, like. If you have a, a corporate role and a bunch of jobs that need to be done, it's easy for us to delegate and say, okay, you do this, you do that, you do this, but you're like the manager of it all. Um, whereas I feel like for a lot of families, when we become new parents, um, it's hard to delegate some of the jobs that are so personal to us. It's hard to use that same skill set that we probably have from another part of our life and actually um, give away some of the jobs like cooking my family's meals, like cleaning my toilet, you know, things that um, are a little bit different when it comes to asking, you know, close friends and families for help. Um, and I think it takes practice. Um, I know with my first, I was like, I'm superwoman. I can do this all. Let me feed this kid and clean my house and make you dinner. And, you know, I, all of that. And then by my third, I had sticky notes on my front door with jobs in my house that needed to be done. And you had to take oh, yeah. sticky notes. And do that oh. work before you can even touch my kid. <laughs> you know. I know people will ask me, what, "What should I ask for for my baby shower?" And I was like, "Screw baby gifts. You need to ask people to yeah. come over and vacuum, and you ask somebody, you know, who's going to come over on this day after I've had my baby for like three days a week and hold my baby so I can yeah. shower. And yeah. <laughs> I was going to make <laughs> food and come and take care of me. The baby will be fine. The baby has me." <laughs> Yeah, you don't need a thousand dollars worth of onesies. <laughs> you you no. need help after. You need. Well, by by the time I had my fourth baby, everybody's like, "What do you need?" I said, "I need a, a comfortable place to sit and breastfeed." So I got a. I got some. They, my sister, my mom, and my grandma chipped in on a nice chair for me to sit in yep. to nurse in. And I said, and then I want help. I, I I saved all my money for a postpartum doula, and I saved money for a lactation consultant. Because all of my kids before my first had lip and tongue tie, and I knew it was going to be hard, and I knew I needed money for that. Everything else, I was like, I've got, I've got breasts to feed my baby. I have two arms to hold my baby. But I don't need 
all these fancy things. I don't need, I'm, I'm going to sleep with my baby. I don't need a crib. I don't need a stroller. I'm going to hold my baby. Yeah. I don't need a sling. I'm good. <laughs> like it, you yeah. don't have to spend millions of dollars on your, on your baby. What you need to spend money on is your own sanity so that you can be a, the best version of a parent that you can be to your baby. Yeah. And I, you know, I see a lot of, I see a lot of that. We spend $1,200 on a stroller and another, you know, $400 on a high chair. Um, and then we don't have $200 for, you know, a doula or a lactation consultant to come and literally oh God, save right? our lives for a day. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, it's a tough one because it's not my job to tell people how to spend their money. But I think that when we spend a lot of that, that, the financial resource, whether it be a, a baby shower or our own financial resources, money that we're kind of earmarking for places, we don't know prenatally that that doula and that lactation consultant are probably going to be more valuable to us than anything I can hold in my hand. Um, and by the time, you know, families have had their babies, they've already spent their allocated financial resources on things. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think, you know, you really want to breastfeed? Yeah. And, and have, have those supports lined up. We, I, I know most of us, um, and not in any way, um, knocking like a free birth movement. I, I believe in everything. Um, but most people are hiring an obstetrician or a midwife, um, possibly a doula for them to have their babies. Um, you know, most people are looking, just automatically setting up these people who offer support services around this very natural thing called birth. And, and we don't really apply that same structure to breastfeeding where it's like, well, you know what, you probably do need that same amount of, um, and if you don't, great, they're in the wings waiting just in case, you know, but uh, I, I feel, I feel like there's so much more we can do and if we can get in and help families early on um, before the problems snowball into babies who are no longer latching or, you know, raw thorn nipples, um, that if we can get in there early, like you said, Gina, how you had, you know, those supports lined up from the start and you're able to get on those challenges early on, it means that your path of getting through challenges was less time than it would have been if you had waited six weeks and then been like, okay, yeah, now but that only professional. That only took me three children to get to that point. Well, that's, <laughs> I had to learn know, that's the hard way. Here, right? It yeah. took me three kids to put those sticky notes on my door and be like, no, you exactly. got to do some work in my house. <laughs> right. So, no, uh, so okay, there, question. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've, we've established that we need to know uh, that expectations are super important. Um, and, and, again, like, it's not our place to tell people how to spend their money. And we're just sharing, like you said, our wisdom. And we invite you yeah. to consider <laughs> that um, yeah. and after having a number of children, <laughs> we've decided that uh, there's, there's other places that might help us in the long run financially where we spend our money. Okay, we've gotten through all that. Where does formula being delivered to your home before you give birth, how does that play a role in your success? And I'm, I'm setting this question up only because when I had my first yeah. child, I had, I had this idea that I wanted to breastfeed. I, I, I wasn't a, a granola gal by any stretch of the imagination. And I, um, I thought I, I just wanted to do it in the beginning because I heard it was good. Like that's about how informed I was. Um, and then we got formula sent to us in the mail and we put it in the pantry and we didn't think about it. And I didn't think about it until about three days after I was nursing and my nipples were bleeding and I was crying every time they handed me the baby and saying no. And my ex-husband had to go to, um, he went to the hospital. I love that he went to like where, where the baby was born. <laughs> he went there and said, help me. He, w- he went to the labor and delivery room and said, help. 
we don't know what to do. And they said that there was a, a lactation uh, uh, room or something on the fourth floor. He went up there and they sent him, told him to take me to a little electrolyte meeting where I went to and then I got help. But let me, let me go back. Before we went to a little electrolyte meeting at four o'clock in the morning when I'm bleeding and I'm crying and I'm exhausted and delirious, I said, where the F is that formula? And we ended up using it for, I think, two days before we found Lola Chilake. Mm-hmm. And I went on to nurse my kid, and I wasn't going to do it for more than a month. And then um, I went into a Lola Chilake meeting. I'll try and make this as fast as I can because there's noise in the background. Okay. But I went into a meeting, and this woman showed me on her own breast with her baby. She had a baby my, my baby's age, brand new baby. And she's like, you just do this and this and this. And I went, oh, it doesn't hurt when I do it like that. You saved my life. I love you. And then two seconds later, this giant kid who at the time to me looked like he was in college. He was most likely like two or three. (laughs) Paddles around the corner and lifted her shirt up and started nursing. I was aghast. I was so you're I was like so grossed one out. month, three years, what? Yeah, yeah. I was so grossed out. I can't even like I should, my friends who know me now yeah. are like, Really? I go, Yeah, yeah, it was disgusting to me. Because I time. didn't yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. So I thought I'd I'll, I'll go three three weeks and then it turned into six months and then it turned into a year and then it turned into a year and a half. And then the next thing I know I've got a three and a half year old. And it's normal yep. to me. Um, but it yep. took a while. So I might not have gotten to that point had I not heard about help that I could get that at that time, girl, I was on, we were on welfare back then. And, um, and I couldn't afford a lactation consultant uh, or I didn't know to save for one. I I would have saved for one had I known. Um, But anyways, we ended up going to free Lilletia League meetings. It's nice meeting you. Um, I'm in a coffee shop. (laughs) So anyways, um, what would have happened to me had I not heard about Lilletia League and I just had, but you know, formula right there at the ready. How do we, yeah. and, and well, not like formula is the devil or anything. I'm just talking about if you oh, think you want to breastfeed, if you, if it's your, your decision that you'd like to, how can we be the most successful at our goal? And if your goal is breastfeeding, yeah. how can we be the most successful? That's what I'm getting at. I'm not trying to like demonize anything. No, not but if at it's all. the no, goal, Dave, that where does that? It's formula, sometimes it's our yeah. milk, sometimes it's someone else's milk. Sure. It's, there's a lot yeah. of options there. Um, and, and if you're, you know, you're a parent and your nipples are bleeding and you can't bear putting your baby on, baby's got to eat. Like there's, there, nobody would ever say that's not the right thing to do in that moment. Um, but there are other options, right? There's, there's knowing, you know, for a lot of families, uh, they don't learn prenatally how to hand express milk so they can hand express right. their own milk and feed it to the baby. They don't mm-hmm. know, like they just don't know that there's these other options um, that they could try first if that feels right to them. Um, right. I know here, I'm in Canada, near Toronto, um, and I, I have to say, like, we, we have a ton of excellent support. So you, you get a breastfeeding class before you leave the hospital. Um, if you have midwives, you know, they're coming to your house to help with breastfeeding day after day. Um, but it's, oh, wow. It's birth in a hospital. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, you get a wow. ton of support. And they have um, public health has breastfeeding clinics that are completely free for everybody because they're paid for through our public health system. So, I mean, that, you know, I, I get to exist in this beautiful model of, of you finding that help. You're, you're actually often scheduled an appointment in that breastfeeding clinic before you leave the hospital. So, you know, in two days, I'm going to this next clinic for support versus having to struggle and then find help on your own. And I think that, you know, 
that's not that's that's a luxury and i get we're very privileged here in canada with our our public health system in many ways um but if we know ahead of time prenatally to say okay you know what at day two i'm going to need someone to come in and check on my latch because if it is going wrong they can help me make it better before i have to sort of do something that wasn't you know part of my goals or my plans um you can have that person lined up and um, while you're absolutely right, not everybody can afford a private lactation consultant. There is a Leshy League. There, there are, um, I, I believe, in the state, a lot of in the states, the like WIC has access to lactation consultants for people that Medicaid pays for. So I, I think there are ways now to access that support. I, I, I won't talk more about the U.S. system because I, I honestly don't know enough about it. Um, but I think that awareness that it's what, terrible, actually. It's just terrible. I mean, comparatively, it's like what you just said, oh my God, what a dream that would be. I wish, I wish we and could we have more have of that. And we still have families who are not doing well, right? Like even with all that mm-hmm. support, breastfeeding can still not work out so well. Um, but, you know, as a, as a family, we, we have always struggled on, you know, that line of being able to pay for our house or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we've always been there. And when, you know, regardless of that, I want someone to say, hey, you can either drop this much money on a lactation consultant or if it doesn't work out two thousand dollars on formula over the next year or so you know that's that's a choice i want to be able to make no matter where my income lies i i need to know that there is someone out there that might be able to help me um get to a place where breastfeeding is comfortable and effective and then i don't have to spend thousands of dollars on a product for the well that's the thing too i don't think you know when you go buy formula in the store it's it doesn't extrapolate for you how much money you're going to be spending on that. It's freaking expensive. And it's, and, and it's you know, a lot of work know. too. Yeah, it's work. It, there are some risks involved in the sense of, you know, a lot of families don't, won't buy the ready to feed and they'll use powdered formula early on right. and carry some risks of bacteria. Like there's all kinds of different things to know, which as long as you know those things, it can be very, very safe, of course, to formula feed. Um, but for a family whose goal is to breastfeed, we know that that early formula use can kind of derail um, the ability to breastfeed. Um, for many, it doesn't. But but for those that maybe already have a, a fairly just adequate or lower milk supply, um, the moment we start taking away some of that demand from the body, the moment we start making less milk. And right. um, the, catch-up game, the catch-up game for those families is just it's hard. It's very, very hard. That's almost it's impossible long-term. sometimes. If you don't understand how things work. Yeah. Yeah, How about um, the one thing like I didn't learn until my second baby uh, about bottles was that um, a lot of bottles don't mimic how um, like babies kind of have to work really hard to get milk out of the breast and babies aren't stupid. And so if they get a bottle and the milk comes out super easy, they're not going to want to go back to working really hard to get milk. Right. No, they're way too smart for that. Like they, they're, you know, a new baby's brain is priming new connections just so quickly, so, so quickly. And those new connections that are priming are going in towards how they survive, how they learn, how they grow, how they develop. And from a survival perspective, you know, if, if a baby is doing the work of breastfeeding and doesn't ever experience the ease of a bottle, that work of breastfeeding doesn't feel very hard to them, you know, that they're used to the flow changes. So, so for those new to breastfeeding, breast milk will come out in, in quicker flow and then sometimes in slower flow and then it'll speed back up. And as we have more letdowns, we tend to have faster flow. Um, so those periods of fast flow, babies tend to love. And then they start to get a little frustrated when the milk flow slows down. Um, and with a good latch and, and good signaling from the baby, we should get another letdown to, to satisfy them. But bottles, 
you know, every suck usually equals a drink. So it's like a suck, drink, suck, drink, suck, drink. And they learn that every suck should equal a drink. And for some babies, they, they get that patterning so well connected in their new forming brain that they come back to the breast and say, oh, God, something's wrong. I'm sucking, 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 and the milk hasn't come yet. Um, and so those babies can start to refuse the breast or can start to get frustrated or fussy at the breast really early on when um, nothing's actually wrong with the, the mother's milk supply. Um, so that parent's milk supply is just baby's expectations have shifted by how we bottle feed. So there are ways, again, to, to get in, interfere with that, like pacing the bottle feeds. But you have to But the baby's it, not the right? only one who's getting frustrated either, right? Pardon? I'm sorry, there was a delay. I didn't know I was talking over here. I'm sorry. Oh. No, um, okay, the, baby, the baby isn't the only one who's getting frustrated, though. That, you know, you've got a no. fussy baby who's not taking the breast, and you've got this exhausted mom who's trying her hardest and just, she's also a mess. And nobody, yeah. and, and neither one of them can articulate anything to the other. And, and no. you have this really our babies are like little energy. They're like little energy barometers. You know, the more anxious I get, the more unsafe my baby feels in that moment. Now, now they're not unsafe, and my anxiety isn't because there's something about to hurt me. Um, but our baby doesn't know that. So, yeah, they just know that if we're okay, the world's okay. And they, they really do feel that. Um, the more anxious I get in those moments where they won't latch, the more they're like, oh, God, something's really wrong. And, and their fight or flight starts to rev up. And it, it can be this escalation between mom and babe. I, I usually would say at that point, stop trying to feed the babies. Get up, walk around, hand your baby off if you have someone there with you. Like, you have to completely reset that stress response. Um, and get back to, to just more of like a, a skin-to-skin position and into feeding again. Because you're right, like once, once baby stress levels start to rise and my stress levels start or the parent stress levels start to rise, you can, you can hear in my words I'm just remembering real situations in my life when I say mine instead of the parents. But, um, you know, that, there's no bringing that back down. There's no cycling that back down unless we take a pause, completely reset, and go back into it. And, again, that's one of those things that, you know, I sit in on a ton of prenatal breastfeeding classes. I don't, I don't ever hear people teaching about the pause, about the, oh, your, your, um, your stress is escalating. We need to take a pause. We need to say, the world is okay. You're going to latch on. Let's all just, you know, take a breath, calm down, and go back into it. I see a lot of families or even other practitioners through those really stressful moments. Um, and I, I think I'm just like more, uh, my, my awareness around, into mental health and stress levels is a little heightened because some of the other work I do. Um, but breastfeeding can be such a source of stress, and it doesn't it doesn't have to be if we know when to stop, reset, and start again. That it's okay right. to take that break. But it's that's like everything. That's like parenting too. You know, things are getting that's really hectic. Like, no, I use, I give myself more timeouts than I've ever even thought to give my children. Like I'll yeah. I'll I'll time in with them. Like I'll check in with them. And then I'll give myself a time out. Like I go outside. I'm like, I can't, I can't right now. Like I have to get out of here right now. And that's with everything yeah. in your life. I can't imagine like trying to power through something. Like you have a, a terrible headache or a broken leg. And you're not going to power through sex with your partner. You know? No, like, you're not. You know, you can't, no, you're not. You can't have these, yeah. You can't have um, these, and, and, and breastfeeding is an intimate time. And, and you can't have an intimate time when you're in pain or you're, incredibly stressed out of your brain. I, I think there's nothing wrong no. with me going here. That's what your partner's job is. Oh, that was the last thing I was going to ask you about. 
um, to get to that um, is like if you have a partner, because my ex wanted to like feed the baby and we ended up learning a lot about that. Um, but I, the new jobs that the partner can have um, in, in, in place of like say, you know, a bottle feeding the baby, I get that they want to do that. But I made my partner like, you're in charge of my nursing station. You hold the baby when I freak out and I need a break. <laughs> you bring yeah. me food while I'm eating. <laughs> Yeah, all the all of the like that's how you're helping me in our breastfeeding uh, relationship. Um, yeah. So one, one one more thing before I, I go off uh, on mute again, I was uh, thinking about that stress level. So I have a video of me on YouTube uh, under breastfeeding issues and Gina Kirby, and it's me talking to Jennifer Tao, who was my uh, like virtual IBCLT when I was going through all that heartache with Jack with tongue tie. Um, yeah, and it's just me crying. <laughs> yeah, I listened and, to it. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. hardcore. Um, but uh, I, I don't so, want people to think so that new, it, uh, you, you did that interview yeah. a little too close to your experience, my love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it's was rough, right? I think probably should but, have turned off no, the, I mean, the, the podcasting. But name. it was real. <laughs> it was real. It's beautiful. People need to hear that, right? Here's how this yeah. is what it actually looks like. No, it was good. Um, but, you know, fast forward five years later, I still, you know, he's still. Uh, every once in a great while, like, you know, ask to nurse for like, you know, 10, 15 seconds. But when I look back at how hard that was in the beginning, and the only reason I stuck with it, to be honest with you, Ashley, if I didn't know everything that I knew, if I hadn't been doing a parenting podcast for like 10 years or 11 years by that time, I never would have stuck with it, though, to be honest. And there's no, no. awards or anything. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying that. Even though I knew everything I knew, I would have quit. Like, I was, I was so close to quitting. You know what I mean? And there's no shame in that. I, I don't do. want parents to ever feel all. that way. It was hell. It was really with the specific issues that we had. So I don't want parents to listen to this and feel bad about anything, like, ever. And honestly, I, I, would, have, I would have quit had I not known all of this stuff for like over a decade. <laughs> and yeah, who knows and that, that? And who gets to know that information? And there's a privilege there. You had that information yeah. so you can make broader informed choices. I, I right. can tell you with my first little guy, he's who's like 15, almost 15 now, um, he didn't latch. That kid just wouldn't latch. It, almost, it took almost two months for him to ever create a seal and a latch of the breast. But I'm a type 1 diabetic, and somewhere along the way, I had read that not breastfeeding increases type 1 diabetes in children. So I was like, well, then that's what I'm doing. And I, without information, there's no way I would have kept trying for six weeks of pumping and shields and tubes and all this stuff. Um, I showed up at the Newman Clinic where, where they latched my baby, and I was like, oh, my God, he's breastfeeding. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And then he nursed for years. But it took that moment of, like, okay, it worked, and I don't know how much longer I would have had, and that would have been okay with me. You know, we, okay. we, all know, we all know how much we got in us to try something, and it doesn't have to be the same as other people. <laughs> it's okay if you're like, I've given it my all. I've tried all the avenues I yeah. have access to. You know, that's. That's it, but I do believe families deserve better support than what they're getting right now, right? Well, but I believe that they deserve. Sorry, but so it's okay. Go on. No, I, they they deserve informed consent about everything. And exactly. Yeah. I feel like it stops it. Yeah. You know, doulas are always talking about how you know about informed consent in in pregnant labor. That you you deserve it for the rest of your life in in all of your decisions about yourself exactly. or your children. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you had brought up, um, like how partners can help. Um, 
And I always love to, I always love to think about how partners can help. I love to explain to partners because it, it kind of plays into this idea of like, when, when do we need to call it? Cause sometimes we do and that's okay. Um, uh, but I, I, I do see that the more support from partners and from family members that parents have, um, the more likely it is that they're going to find their solution and be able to continue on that. You know, if I have someone on, one ear saying, oh, this is really, really hard. Why do you keep trying this? And another person has someone saying, oh, this is really hard. What can I do to help you? You know, those two people are, are, are likely to have different outcomes just because of, you know, that support and that, that story they're being told. Um, some people, though, need someone to say, yeah, you know what, you've given it a lot. Have you considered those other ways to do this? Like, I get that. That's some, some people need a bit of permission to stop. Um, but I do find that when, when people have that positive kind of coaching around them where it's like, yeah, you can do this as long as you still want to. How can I help? Right? Oh, my gosh. Balance. Isn't that – I'm sorry. I'm, I'm all excited. No, no, you're good. No. <laughs> no, no, just I mean, as a doula, I was like, oh, because oh, that's what we do when we talk about, you know, so you want to have a – physiological birth and you your your plan is to not have an epidural so what we do is we allow or we don't allow we we share with with uh, the birthing person that hey you can have a safe word and we won't offer you an epidural unless you say that word right unless you say that word so that allows them to go fuck this I hate this I don't want to do this this is hard and we don't and we don't offer them an epidural until they say bananas or whatever their secret word is (laughs) their secret word uh, and the same yep. thing should be with breastfeeding too. I never thought same. about that with breastfeeding. Sorry, go ahead. No, well, no, no, I start. I start almost every one of my consults with a, a, a re-examination of our goals. Um, every single one of my consults. I don't care if I've seen you five times and I think I know what you want. I'm going to ask you again. So where are we at? What do you? What do you? What is? What feels right to you right now? Do you want to keep going? Do we need to come up with a different plan? A half plan? What is it? And and sometimes just knowing that they can say, okay, I'm done. Actually, later I'll be told, you know, because I knew it was safe to say no, I, I, I could give it another day or another week or, or whatever it was. And, and that part of it's not up to me. I'm, I'm not a gatekeeper of information, and I do not own a decision for anybody. But I always want to make sure I'm a safe person for someone to say, you know what, I need you to help me wean. Okay, let's do it. You know, like that, that I'm not going to be like, what, are you sure? Because <laughs> it's not, I don't live in your house. I don't presume to tell you how to you know, how to parent your kids. Um, <laughs> I don't live in your house. It's not my job. But I, I do, I do want to, you know, shout out to partners who are, who are there and working hard to take some of the load of everything else off the parent who's breastfeeding because, you know, just knowing that I don't have to do all this work of nursing and then go and clean my kitchen or pick the kid up from day, other kid up from daycare um, helps me know that I can get through this and rest and recharge for the next time. That I can, you know, I can get through a sleepless night knowing that I might be able to sleep in in the morning because my partner has got me, you know, that they're, they're going to take care of um, other, other aspects of it. And I right. think that from a partner perspective, a lot of times, you know, I, I think that the story I hear most is, well, if dad can't feed the baby a bottle, how are we going to bond with their baby? And, Ooh, you know, exactly. yeah, no, well, I, just, I, just, I, I just hear that so much and, and uh, I love to talk about oxytocin. We were talking about this earlier with that stress response and how if I escalate, my baby escalates, and it just keeps going. And oxytocin doesn't play well in, in anxiety, and it doesn't play well in stress. And it, oxytocin is what's responsible for your milk flowing to, to a, a big degree, right? 
And if that oxytocin system is not feeling safe enough to come out, like in birth, right, we're going to have more breastfeeding problems. So I always say to dads, like, your, your, the way you can help the most is to protect oxytocin. You know, let's learn a little about it together, and then you get to protect it. So anything that's causing anxiety or stress or fear or anger, whatever that is, is your job to take care of. And so we don't have to feel those emotions that might actually interfere with that whole system, right, that doesn't allow breastfeeding to work as well. And dads are like, okay, or, or partners are, you know, they're like, okay, I got this. I can, you know, this makes my partner really angry. I can take care of that. Or they'll, they'll pick the top things, you know, that can take the most stress off of, of their partner. And I can't say that to dishes. So I love doing dishes. That actually de-stresses me. You know, I can't tell you the tangible actual things. But we can, we can teach partners to take away the stress. Um, and we can teach partners that their oxytocin levels increase just by being skin-to-skin with their baby. They want to bond with their baby, get in the bath together. You know, if you want to bond with your baby, get that kid in your shirt and do some safe skin-to-skin while your partner gets to rest before the next feeding. That is actually changing your physical biology around oxytocin and other hormones that bottle feeding doesn't do, right? That... The bottle feeding is a nice action or activity to do, but it doesn't actually change your, your literal bonding mechanisms like skin to skin does. So it changes your chemically. I get, I, get, I get excited about this stuff, you know. Well, it gives me goosebumps. And, I, and that's the thing, though. Like, there's, a, there's so many parents that are deprived of this um, amazing opportunity to, to, to change, like, like the Incredible Hulk, but, like, in a good way. Like it changes you molecularly <laughs> and, it, it does, and it, yes. it's so beautiful and it's a gorgeous way to bond. But again, because of our, our cultural um, things that our culture have shown us, we don't get to see dads just holding a baby. You you just see, or, you know, our grandparents just holding a baby. Um, you just, you see them like the idea that like food is love, right? Or so like yeah. if, we're, yeah. if we're giving them nutrients then we're loving them. Instead of, you know, oh, making yeah. eye contact or holding you skin to skin. Um, my other uh, thing I wanted, I said uh, about Segway, I have a question for you. Two mm-hmm. things. Uh, Patrick Hauser, um, he's amazing. I love Patrick. Um, one time we were teaching a class together. He said um, that there was some study or something uh, that was done where they taught a group of dads, like 15 minutes worth of uh, information on breastfeeding. Like they gave them a tiny breastfeeding class about why it was good and how it helped it would help their partner, yeah. and then um, and then they had like another like a, a placebo group or whatever, um, and who didn't learn anything, and then they followed them afterwards. And the the parents that got that little tiny bit of education about breastfeeding ended up breastfeeding, uh, were had a higher degree of success, if you will, of actually breastfeeding and breastfeeding past three months. Uh, just with right. like 15 minutes worth of information. That's so powerful to me. And the other thing I was going to share is if you're listening, guys, uh, you can go to YouTube and uh, in the YouTube search, you can put in Patrick Hauser uh, or just put in fathers, intimacy and breastfeeding. And then yeah. Patrick Hauser and Dina Kirby or whatever, and it'll pop up. Yeah, and it's he's great. a fantastic fatherhood coach. He's great. Oh, I just love him. Uh, but just more about I, like, what um, the partner can do. What the partner can do. Yeah. And you know, my, uh, my husband, he's a, uh, He's actually back to school in child and youth care, and he's been running like a dad's drop-in for the last five or six years, um, kind of as a response to there being nothing for dads. And they get together and they talk about this stuff. And, um, and there, are, there aren't a lot of opportunities to find these kinds of 
dads groups where they can get together and be like, oh, you're doing that too. It's not just me. They get to talk about it in a way that makes it normalized, right? Where where there's still, you know, there's still that kind of shame around taking your shirt off and being skin to skin with your baby that it's maybe not the right thing or that it's soft or I, I don't know. I, I think all that, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it personally, but I understand that it's a thing. Um, and Kevin has been able to, you know, get these guys together around beer and wings, of course, you know, you got to get the environment, but, uh, and they talk about parenting and they talk about the struggles and they talk about supporting their partners and they talk about, you know, how to spend Saturday mornings playing with their kids to encourage development, like whatever it is. And um, I just think there's not enough opportunities for guys um, and for fathers specifically to, to open that up as just a conversation and not just like some secret they do in their house, right? That it's um, the posters to support breastfeeding need to be a dad skin to skin with the baby and the mom sleeping, <laughs> you know, that's, that's breastfeeding advocacy right there. And it needs to be, you know, the grandparents taking a role and the mom, you know, the yeah. mother pumping, you know, we need to see the support. We need to see what that looks like. I, I would love um, to see like posters of, you know, um, the aunties and uncles and best friends and the neighbor and your, your yeah. older siblings, you know, being a part, like everybody is a part of breastfeeding, not just the person. Everybody's a part of breastfeeding. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I want to talk to you forever, but we have to go. Yeah. I, <laughs> I thank you so much. You're so, I, it's so easy to talk to you. And I'm sorry that I was jumping in so much. You get me all excited. Um, no, I love talking to you. You just have to get things to say. It's all the attachment parenting stuff. I'm like, I want to talk about this more. So we're going to have to have you on the program a lot more. Um, if, if you'll come on, we'll, we'll have you because you're the best. Thank you so I'm much, Ashley. Happy to. Sorry. How do people find you if they're like, oh my gosh, I want more of this woman and what she does? How do how do they find you? <laughs> well, my uh, my website's just my name, ashleypickett.com. Um, if you're in Canada, um, I'm a I'm the co-president of Attachment Parenting Canada, and we're we're actually just launching a whole new Attachment Parenting Canada sort of website and membership, which is really inexpensive, but will give you access to breastfeeding and parenting and sleep support in, in that sort of framework. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm near Toronto, so I run a ton of classes and drop-ins and stuff in the area. So if you're, if you're in the area and want to get in touch physically and come, come out to some of my stuff, just shoot me a message and I can give you uh, an idea of where they all happen. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Ashley. I'm going to be writing a blog about uh, today's interview so if you guys have any questions about it go ahead and put them at um, our Facebook page Progressive Parenting Radio thank you Ashley thank you listeners for bearing with me uh, for being at a coffee shop but that's what happens oh, when you're a parent <laughs> it happens <laughs> all right well thank you I'm, so much I'm pulled Ashley. up in my bedroom behind a locked door <laughs> okay <laughs> have a great night all right everybody thank you so much for listening uh, we are still looking for sponsors in uh, the next couple of months if you would like to be a sponsor, you can get a hold of me at Progressive Parenting Radio at gmail.com, and we can get you started in on that. I want to thank uh, our guest again tonight, our guest host, uh, Ashley Pickett. She's just the best. And I want to wish all of you parents expecting, uh, expecting parents all the best. And until the next time, take care of yourselves and take care of each other.